Well, good morning, one and all. Glad to see you here this morning. Oh, my goodness. Hopefully we all had a really good Christmas. Okay, I heard one. The rest of you skipped that day? <laughs> good Christmas. A little bit different probably for some of us, but uh, still, nonetheless, uh, we are celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, COVID or no COVID, on the 25th of December. Amen? Amen. A couple of announcements I'd like to bring to your attention here this morning. For starters, uh, when you come next week, it'll be a new year, and at that point in time, we usually go through something called resolutions, or some of you do, or have a, a, a goal that you set for yourself, and one of those for many of us it tends to be uh, scripture related, and so we have for you on the Welcome Center back there uh, a couple of different options as far as uh, scripture reading plans. If you're like me, you don't just make it up as you go, you need a plan of some sort to follow, and so those are back there for your, uh, for your help, for your resourcing, if you'd like to uh, do that through the Old Testament, the New Testament, the whole Bible, whatever suits your fancy, those are back there uh, for you. Secondly, we have a technology change that we are going to start uh, next week, not this week, but next week. And uh, the two changes are this. One, we've been doing a closed circuit in the youth room for the 9 and 11. So you can come to church uh, at 9 or 11 and sit up in the youth room and watch the service there. Uh, we're not going to do that at 9 a.m. anymore. We're just going to have that available at 11. Uh, so really, I'll look in the camera and say this because everybody right here doesn't care because they're here right now. You folks, if you would like to uh, continue being in the youth room, 11 o'clock is when that is going to be available. And I guess the other one's not for you either, so I'll look at the camera, because the other change is for those of you at home that tend to watch the service on uh, from your living room, and that is usually available somewhere between 11 and 1 o'clock on Sunday. That's actually going to be moved to Monday, all right? We will have the audio available on Sunday for you, but uh, the video is not going to be uploaded until Monday, so I know there are a couple of families who are like a week off, so they can sit down and and watch church at uh, 10 or 11 on Sunday and they watch last week's because it's already loaded. Uh, so that might be an option for you if you want to offset by a week. Uh, so that is an opportunity and available for you as well. So those are a couple of our technology changes moving into 2021. Uh, other than that, uh, be in prayer for Pastor Mark and Amanda. They're away on vacation. I don't know why they would choose today, their 18th wedding anniversary, to not be here, but uh, they're not. And so we are going to uh, just uh, rejoice and uh, celebrate uh, their anniversary together today and uh, keep them in prayer. Uh, if you would stand, please. We're going to have uh, Chairman of our Deacon Board, Orville Beecher, come and open us in a word of prayer. Good morning. It's a pleasure being here. It's a pleasure seeing all of you. Uh, the first time with a joint uh, service, and it's good to see so many seats filled. Let us pray, bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you again for this opportunity to celebrate your son's birth at this time of the year and new beginnings. We welcome friends from out of town that have traveled to visit family. We especially thank you for new life and the hills and we thank you for the Erbachers being able to be here with us and Lord we just again celebrate this time. It's a, a great opportunity to reflect on uh, again new birth, reflect on the year, reflect on the challenges and again we can always lean on you for taking care of our needs, for uh, taking care of our concerns because you're steadfast, you're 
sovereign, you're holy. And as we look to the new year, we just want to remember to seek you out in all things that we do. And again, we just thank you for Pastor Chris and the message that he'll bring. Let us take it to our hearts and out in our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's scripture reading is Romans 10, 8 through 17. It reads, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, bestowing his riches, oops, excuse me, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never whom, whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This has been the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning once again. Are glad that you are here. I'm excited to bring forth God's word to you. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to get it ready. Today we are going to be talking about uh, the word proclaim. Proclaim. Over the last uh, couple of weeks, Pastor Mark has been sharing with us in our Advent series. Uh, and we looked at a problem, we looked at a promise, a provision, and today proclaim or a proclamation. Proclaim, we get our word proclaim. It's from a Latin word, proclamare, which means cry out. Pro meaning forth, clamare to shout. So crying out. So our common definition now is to announce officially or publicly, declare something one considers important with due emphasis. Declare something that is important with due emphasis. I'd like to share with you uh, a story as we begin. All right, I, I'm going to be vulnerable with you here this morning, and I trust that you will take that vulnerability and, and not uh, take advantage of this vulnerability. But there's a lot of things that happen around Christmas time, and one thing that happens in our house, and unfortunately it seems like it's a little bit more exciting for me than it is Julie, and that really kind of scares me when I say that out loud, uh, it involves a certain channel on television. Hallmark? Right? And there are these, these movies that you tend to watch. And honestly, if you think about it, they aren't really about Christmas. That's the setting, but it's a love story. Let's be real, right? This is a love story surrounded by Christmas, and that's just the setting, right? I want to tell you a love story this morning, and it's mine. All right, just very briefly, uh, because my version is the correct one anyway, so I will share with you the, my love story in a nutshell. All right, September 2012, I met this really cute office administrator at a camp that I was at, helping out uh, do some of their program. Fast forward. See, I told you this was quick. Fast forward, that was September. Now we are into February of 2013. I went to Buffalo Wild Wings with the director of that camp, and he had his office administrator with him. I was kind of happy about that. 
right? So I got to see her again. That was the second time. And then uh, fast forward to May of 2013, uh, I went out to the camp because I was going to be doing a missions trip uh, to that camp, which is totally unrelated to Julie. I had this in, I, I had this in place before Julie, right? Uh, and so we, I went out there to visit with Dave to get things figured out and uh, found out that Julie actually showed up too because she was moving on to the island that day. Uh, coincidence? I'd say it was God's direction. Um, but uh, at any rate, uh, so I got to spend a little bit more time with her. And from that point on, from May of 2013 uh, up until June, we kind of had some off and on conversation, uh, more so under the disguise now, the disguise of preparing for a mission trip. Uh, but I would help her with a couple of different things. Um, and uh, we get to June. And then from June, when we did our mission trip, from that uh, week on, we texted, called, or something every single day after that. That's right. When you find the right one, you keep in contact, right? So uh, that was in June of 2013. July 24th, 2013. I don't have that written down in my notes. I'm doing this from memory, okay? July 24th, 2013, uh, I was visiting with my brother over in Pennsylvania, and I made a stop back at Camp Patmos to uh, see Dave. Uh, and while I was seeing Dave, I went to see Julie, and that was the day that I did something. I proclaimed my intentions to her. Right? We sat down there on the grass, and I told her, okay, in a nutshell, I'm only interested in pursuing this uh, to be the next Mrs. Howard here because other than that, we're wasting our time kind of a thing. You know, I, I dated ladies before and kind of beat around the bush and stuff. I wasn't beating around the bush. I found a gem or a jewel <laughs> and I was just going straight. All right. So I let her know this is, is me proclaiming my uh, affection for you. That was July. Move forward to uh, January 14th, 2014. Uh, another proclamation came forth and this was as I was conspiring with the uh, owner of a Carabas uh, this came forth through a proposal and I proclaimed my undying love for Julie got on a knee did the whole thing and she I don't know if you really started crying. I think you just kind of, she looked at the table setting when she walked in with her parents because she thought she was going to do gift cards and stuff with her parents there. She saw this table in that, you know, secluded area, all dressed up nice, candles, flowers. And she said, oh, that's nice. Somebody's going to have a nice dinner. That kind of a thing. Unbeknownst to her, it was for her, right? She said yes. And uh, that was January of 2014. And then September 27th, 2014, if this sounds really fast, hey, I was like 28 years old. It can happen faster than if you're 12, all right? So, where was I? 27th of September 2014, another proclamation came forth out of my mouth in the form of vows. And I vowed to my wife and to everyone that was in uh, the presence of our wedding there, including Pastor Wigan and Leah, who were sitting right around over there at the church that we were at, uh, heard my proclamation of love for my wife. And from that day forward, I have never loved her as much as I did then ever again. Because it only gets more and more and more. Amen? Amen. How did you remember all those days? I have a brain that remembers those things, man. I can't remember answers to tests sometimes, but I can remember dates, all right? Uh, so November 19th is a very important date. It's her birthday, right? I remember these things. 
But there's something else that I remember, and I would like for you guys to think through and remember with me, and that's God's love story. That's God's love story. And, and we see that put on display uh, generally two times a year, kind of more largely put on display, but the truth is it's put on display every day. In God's love story, as we uh, heard over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Mark shared with us three things. We talked about the problem, the promise, and the provision. And I'd like to just recap very briefly those three things as it relates to God's love story and how he proclaims his love for us. So if we re rewind three weeks, we, we get to uh, the problem is the, the message. But there's a problem that comes after something else. And, and the something else is this. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, God created all things, including man and woman, right? And verse 27 tells us that he created us in the image of God. Right there, I would suggest to you, one, that that is one way in which God has proclaimed his love for us. He created so many things, but only one thing did he create in his image. I would suggest to you that is a proclamation of God's love for us. But we responded as mankind. We respond to things, do we not? Situations happen. People pull out in front of you while you're driving. You respond, whether with that response button right in front of you or some other means. Let's not go into those right now, okay? Because then you need to confess before the Lord some of those things, right? But we respond. God built us, created us to respond. And Adam and Eve responded all right, but they didn't respond in the proper fashion. Enter our message from three weeks ago, the problem. What entered the equation in chapter three of Genesis? Sin entered the equation. Think about this. I looked these numbers up because I thought it was interesting. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. We were created at the end of chapter 1. And then at the beginning of chapter 3, we messed it all up. We were perfect for one whole chapter. That's all we could do. That's the best we could do. God proclaims his love for us in our creation, being created like him. How do we respond? With sin. But then God doesn't end there. He could. He created us perfect and we messed it all up. He could have thrown in the towel and started all over again, but he didn't. Again, further love that has been proclaimed by him was two weeks ago when we talked about the promise that was made. God proclaimed his love in that he prophesied about a savior to be born. Through his prophet Isaiah, Isaiah is talking to, to King Ahaz, and Ahaz is putting his faith and his trust in a man, right? The king of, the, of Assyria. And he took gold out of, uh, from uh, his kingdom and gave it to the, the God, or excuse me, to the king of Assyria for his salvation. Okay? To save his kingdom, to save himself. And God is wanting to talk to Ahaz and say, you know what? You need to put your faith and hope and trust in me for your salvation. Because what we don't always understand, folks, sometimes is that our salvation isn't always from our immediate circumstances. It's from a future damnation in hell. So God says, I'm going to give you a sign. 
And he makes this promise. He proclaims his love through this promise of a child, Jesus, to be born. We see that again in Isaiah 9, 6. And then in chapter 52 and 53 of Isaiah, we see this again. God's uh, salvation, the Lord's coming salvation is presented in chapter 52 of Isaiah. And that, the fulfillment of that promise, we see what that's going to look like in chapter 53. And it's, it's not a pretty sight. Sure, the birth of Jesus is a beautiful thing, but he was born so that he could live a perfect life and what? Die on the cross for us, right? Man's response to this. What's man's response to, to the promise that God has made here? Uh, you see in Isaiah 53, verse 1, uh, Pastor Pete, uh, as he was reading in our, our section from Romans chapter 10, they were referencing chapter 53, verse 1, that not all are going to believe. Some will, but not all. Which means the response to this is that some are going to believe in this prophecy and others will not. Leads us to last week, the provision. This is the promise being fulfilled. The passage we looked at last week was Galatians 4, 4. says this, When the time was right, God sent Christ to redeem those under the law. That's my paraphrase. When the time was right. That's the first part. You and I, we all have an idea of our, our schedules and timing of things and when the time is right. Do we not? But God knows far better than we do. If you think about it, from when this prophecy was first given until it was fulfilled, there was a, a, a bit of time in between there. Right? People were alive, they died. More were born, they lived, they died. More were born, they lived, they died. Okay, generations happened through here. Israel is, is ready, more than ready, for Jesus to return. We folks are more than ready for Jesus to return. Amen? Right? We went through 2020 and we're thinking, okay, this is pretty ridiculous. Why don't you just come, Lord Jesus, now? Right? We're, we're wanting either Jesus or 2021 to come. All right? But uh, honestly, I would suggest probably Jesus coming is, is a little bit more, uh, more better for us. Amen? Because 2021 is still going to have issues and problems of its own. But the good news is God is in charge of all of it. He was in charge of 2020. He's in charge of 21, 22, 23, and beyond. God proclaimed his love through providing us Jesus as our Savior. Many of you have probably read through Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2 over Christmas and reminded yourselves of what Christmas is truly all about. Read about that provision that God gave to us. And again, there's a response to this proclamation of God's love. There's a negative response we read in Matthew chapter 2, verses 7, 8, 16. You see King Herod's response to this. Okay, he's the king. He's in charge. And he's hearing uh, these prophecies of the, the one true king. All right, if you are the king of this kingdom, uh, you're going to take some offense to that. You're going to get a little aggravated by that. The wise men come and he kind of sends them off to do some reconnaissance work. And when they don't come back, uh, he gets even more enraged. And we see there in uh, verse 16 that he uh, sends out uh, people to go and kill all of the male children, two years and younger, right? Yeah. That's his response to the love that God is proclaiming to us. Oh, you love us that much, eh? I'm going to kill everybody two years and under, all the boys. 
That's, that's not quite uh, the positive response you would expect. However, there are some, and they're even uh, labeled the wise men for good reason, that respond in a very positive way. They fell down and worshipped him, Matthew 2.11. The wise men go out on their reconnaissance mission, they find Jesus, and when they're there, they, they recognize, they realize just who this baby is, and rather than running back or sending a pigeon telegram or whatever they do back then, they just forgot about their mission, fell down on their knees, and worshipped him. That was their response. God proclaimed his love for us in our creation. We were created in his image. He further proclaimed it through a promise of salvation through Jesus and again proclaimed his love at the fulfillment of that promise in the birth of Jesus. God has proclaimed his love for us through creation since creation. And now I'd like to turn our attention because I don't operate the PowerPoint very well. Here's some of those things I just talked about. Enjoy because it's gone now. I'd like to talk through a couple of these things with the remainder of our time. Examples, further examples of God proclaiming his love for us. And we see that, we saw that uh, just briefly through the prophets, and you can go through all of the prophetic books as well uh, in the Old Testament, and you can see God proclaiming his love to his people. Even consider back in Exodus, when he brought his people out of Egypt and going through the wilderness, right? It's, it's just God demonstrating his faithfulness time and time and time again when Israel, God's chosen people, continued to fall away from him and choose other gods and other means, things, whatever. And what did God do? He demonstrated, he proclaimed his love yet again through his faithfulness. We see the prophets like Isaiah who uh, demonstrate and proclaim God's love. Prophets are those that God speaks to and then those prophets speak to us the words of God. We saw that in Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9, as he said to, to Ahaz, hey, there is going to be a Savior that is born. And that Savior is Jesus Christ, God's own Son. We see, if you have your Bibles, now we're going to actually turn to a passage and look at something here, right? Uh, Luke chapter 2. If you're, if you're not there, uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read through some of this this morning. Luke chapter 2, starting in verses, uh, verse 8, we're going to read through 14. We are going to see uh, God's love proclaimed through the angels. Starting in verse 8 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Here we have the angels coming forth to the shepherds, and God is using them to proclaim his love. What do we see here? We see that it says, I bring you good news. 
Good news, it says. This is the Greek verb for the word gospel. gospel. Right? This is the gospel. Now, the gospel here for them is the birth of Jesus Christ. We understand now on this side of uh, all of Jesus' life on earth, right, that the gospels is his birth, his life, his death, burial, resurrection, the whole package, right? We, we know that to be the gospel. For them, gospel is this right here, the good news that Jesus Christ is born and he is going to be a savior, not just for you shepherds, but for all people. One commentator suggests, I'd ask you the question, why not the priests or the scribes? Why, why was this uh, message come and given to shepherds? One commentator suggests it this way, to demonstrate and reveal the grace of God toward mankind. To demonstrate the grace of God toward mankind. Right? Because the shepherds are not these high up people. Shepherds are, are more like outcast type guys. They're the, the lowliest of men. They're unclean. They're constantly working with sheep, okay, that are dirty, smelly, gross, and they're tending them outside in the fields. And you can just imagine what that is going to smell like when they come home for dinner, right? Okay, this is, this is not the, the preferred occupation, right? And they also tend one of the most unintelligent animals there is right sheep are not the most intelligent of animals which i find interesting because god calls us his people sheep. his sheep i could either be offended by that or i could recognize that god is my shepherd and he cares for me so much that i'm just going to be humbled and be grateful that he is my shepherd right but the truth of the matter is if i'm going to be honest I, I can be just as unintelligent as a sheep sometimes and make decisions on my own understanding and knowledge rather than following the shepherd's lead. But God proclaims his love through those angels. But it doesn't stop there. Right? Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, hey, how you doing? Anybody? Nobody ever said that to you? Right? How do you respond? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? The response that I give most of the time when people do that is, um, hey, Chris, how you doing? Good. And then it stops. That's my selfish response. I just say good. But I would suggest to you that there should be more than that. You cared enough about me to ask how am I doing. I tell you I'm doing good. I need to then... How are you doing? Right? Continue that conversation. Here we have the shepherds who are given this information. They are told, proclaim the love of God to them. This gospel is given to them. And rather than just taking and being like, oh, thanks. And then going on about their way, they continued the conversation. They recognized that the angel said, this is for all people, not just you, shepherd. So as we go throughout the text, verse 15, when the angels went away from them, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, that means quickly, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been uh, told them concerning this child. So they not only went to find Jesus... But when they went and found Jesus, that's the part where you say, how you doing? Good, right? Then they went further. 
And I would suggest they went further in obedience, right? They wanted to communicate this gospel, what has just been communicated to them, proclaimed the love of God to them through the angels. Now we want to go and do the same thing. Here's Jesus. We know who he is. We know where he is. We're going to go complain. No, we're not. We're going to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to all people as the angels, God, through the angels, commanded us. But again, God doesn't stop there. He's proclaimed his love through the prophets, through the angels, through the shepherds. Uh, and then as we, many of us know, we've gone through the book of Acts over the last uh, year or two or so, whatever. It's hard to remember sometimes with some of the pandemic stuff that's going on, was going on. But uh, we, we've been going through the book of Acts. We, we've actually finished it, right? And as you go through that entire book of Acts and then, then other pastoral epistles, right, uh, we see the love of God continue to be proclaimed, only in this case it's being proclaimed through the apostles, right? We see Peter and John going and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ and being persecuted for that, and yet they continue to do it. We see the three missionary journeys of Paul, who once was Saul. Thank you for Acts chapter 9. Okay, road to Damascus. He saw the light. Uh, he came to Jesus. And he didn't just see the light and come to Jesus, but he went out and he started to proclaim the love of Jesus. Just think about it. This is like the Adolf Hitler of the day who is converted by the only Holy Spirit, the only power that is able to convert hearts. He's converted to Jesus and now becomes his like, chief missionary. He's like the superstar missionary of, of missionaries, at least in my estimation, okay? Right? But what does he do? He goes and he proclaims the love of God. And as we saw throughout our study in the book of Acts, many times he was condemned, he was criticized, he was persecuted, he was beaten, he, all sorts of things. And so he threw in the towel. Uh-uh. He never threw in the towel. He kept going and going. So, what now? That's great, PC. Those are, those are good, uh, you know, true stories and things to, to read about and see what God did in those times and so on and so forth. How, what does that mean for us, really? Glad you asked. Romans chapter 10, turn there, please. Pastor Peter shared this with us through our scripture reading. God proclaims his love for us. He created us to be people that respond to his love. Apostles responded to his love and that they proclaimed his love to other people. The Romans and other Jewish people, they responded to the proclamation of God's love by rejecting it. How about us today? Well, as we see here in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 in particular, I want to go right to the middle where it says, whom they have never heard. Start with that word heard, right? The prophets heard God. The angels heard God. The shepherds heard God. The apostles heard God. You and I have heard the gospel of God, the love proclaimed to us. We have all heard it. Now what? After you hear it, you've got a decision to make. Are you going to believe it? 
And if you truly believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came, he died on a cross to uh, satisfy the wrath of God. He was buried and he rose again, conquering sin and death so that we could accept his love, his salvation of eternal life. If you truly believe that, then what does it say? We need to call on the Lord. Those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved, right? But then as the verse starts in 14, how are you going to call if you've not believed? How do you believe if you've not heard? How do you hear if somebody doesn't preach or proclaim the good news? How do you, anybody proclaim the good news if they're not sent to do it? This is what I would like to call the glorious gospel cycle. Because at some point in your life, you have heard this gospel. And after you hear it, then you choose to believe it or not. If you choose to believe it, then you have been commissioned. Or excuse me, sorry, call. After you believe it, then you call on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved. And then it doesn't stop there. Verse uh, 16 or 15 kind of stops at that point. And, and I'm going to tell you that it, it starts over again. Because if you've ever read Matthew 28, for instance, is the Great Commission, the believers are commissioned to go. We are sent, right? Amen? We are sent to go and make disciples of? Mankind. All nations. What do you think the angels told the shepherds? All mankind, all nations. And here we are in Matthew chapter 28, followers of Jesus Christ being commissioned to do the exact same thing. Make disciples of all nations. That is your commissioning. That is us being sent. We are sent to do what? We are sent to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Yeah. Hate us for it. We proclaim that. Yeah. Some are going to hate us for it. Others are going to believe. Because yeah. God created us to respond. We're going to respond one way or the other. But after we proclaim, then they have heard it. Now here's, here's a, a misconception I want to fix for all of us right now. Okay, God has commissioned us to go and share the gospel. God has not commissioned us to go and make people believe. Okay, that is not our job. That is not our responsibility. God, through the Holy Spirit, works on the heart of mankind. So we go, we proclaim, they hear it, and then our job at that point is done as far as that part is concerned. Because once they have heard it, now it's time for the Holy Spirit to be working on their heart with what they heard and then getting them to a point of belief. All right? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, we were lost, made us what? Alive with him. God does the work of belief. And once we believe, then we have another responsibility. With that belief, we need to call on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. That should be our reaction. That should be our response. God proclaims his love for us so that we can respond to that through belief and calling on his name to be saved. And then as the cycle continues, this beautiful, glorious gospel cycle, then we go and share. We go and proclaim the love of Jesus Christ, the love God has for us. God started it back in Genesis when he created us in his image, and he's continuing it through us even today. What is your role? What is your responsibility? There are two, because there are two different types of people sitting here in this room today. 
One, you've just heard the gospel that you were born into this world a sinful person and there is no way to heaven except through God, right? God says, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. Right? And, and the wages of sin is death. We deserve eternal separation from God. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. He demonstrated his love for us, Romans 5, 8 says, right? He proclaimed his love for us through the person of Jesus Christ. And if you call on his name, if you believe that he died and rose again for you, you can be saved. That is the gospel. So you're sitting here and maybe you have not believed that. I would encourage you to wrestle with the Holy Spirit, ask him to reveal that truth to you, to, to understand, to enlighten you to that, and believe that information, believe that truth, and then respond by calling on his name. So that's one group of people that might be in here today. I'd encourage you, call on his name today. The other group has already called. And maybe you've kind of stopped the cycle at that point. You took that, hey, how are you? And you said, good. But you didn't say, I'm great, how are you doing? So for those of you that have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've believed, you've called, and then you hung up the phone? Pick up that phone and start proclaiming the love of God to other people so they can hear. Because as the, the passage says, how are they going to call if they don't believe? How do they believe if they don't hear? Well, that's what you're for, Pastor. We pay you to do the conversation. Uh, yes and no. I, I, I am called to do that. But you know what? As a follower of Jesus Christ, one that is enlisted in the army of God, Matthew 28, you, you've been commissioned too. Can I get an amen from that? You've been commissioned too. Amen. Go and preach. Go and proclaim the love of God. We've just been talking about the reason for the season for the last month or so, right? Don't let that conversation, don't let that proclamation of God's love end in December. It's easier to talk about God when it's Christmas because we talk about Christmas and the reason for the season, Jesus being born. But then... Christmas is over and we stop and, and kind of let time move on and then sure we get to the beginning of April and hey we start to pun intended here resurrect that story and tell it again and then Easter kind of ends and we get our hearts and minds set to summer don't let the love of God that message get put on hold in your life once you've accepted that free gift of salvation, I urge you, God, ur God commands, I'm urging you, proclaim it wherever you go. Proclaim it wherever you go. God's been proclaiming his love for us since the dawn of creation. What's our response? To believe, to call, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes in the Father except through him. Take that message, share it with all nations. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for our time this morning to gather together as a, a, a church family. I pray for all of us 
those that are here in this room, those that may be upstairs, those that are watching from home, God, I would pray that uh, we would identify where we are in this glorious gospel cycle and then make the next step. For some, God, they have just heard the gospel. I would just pray that you would work in their hearts and in their mind today to move them forward to a point where they would call on your name and be saved. God, for those that have heard, those that have believed, and those that have called and have kind of put the phone on hold, I would ask that you would motivate us to pick that phone back up, to take responsibility in that commission that has been given to all followers of Jesus Christ to go to all nations and share this love story that you have for us, to share your son Jesus with them, to share the gospel, the good news, so that they can hear and they can believe, they can call, and then they can be sent. God, your love is something that we can't fathom. We, we can get an idea or a picture. You created marriage so that we can have a, a picture of your love for us, but it still pale, pales in comparison to your true, undying, sacrificial love for us. And I thank you for demonstrating it to us in so many ways and preserving that through your holy scriptures so that we could read from Genesis through Revelation your revealed truth and your love story for us. Help us this day to respond to that love story in a positive way rather than in a negative way that we've seen so often through the Israelites, through uh, kings and, and all sorts of people that have rejected you. God, I love you. I thank you so much. For your son Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh God, you...